this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm your dad's vanity truck, and I'm Evan. I am a Froyo place inexplicably still in existence in the year of our Lord 2020, and I'm Ronnie. Froyo is good, and I want the Froyo places to stay. I don't, it's not, it, I, I don't have a problem with Froyo. It's just like, it's a fad that kind of died out in 20, I, I love Froyo, but the amount of times that I tried to get my wife Froyo over the past couple of years, uh, only to come up to buildings that uh, once held Froyo and now were empty uh, is startling. There's just it, it doesn't exist anymore. I like that I can get both Froyo and Boba Tea at Yogi Castle. Shout out to Yogi Castle uh, and also fuck Sweet Frog. They're uh, they're fundies over there. They're the Hobby Lobby people. I mean, they're not this, literally the same people, but, you know, they're in the same camp as the Hobby they're Lobby all the people. They're all the same people. people. I believe it's pronounced Frogert. It's not pronounced Frogert. I believe it's pronounced Frogert. That anyway, would, if you can would, tell... Like, using the English language, that would be called Frogert. Unless there's like an umlaut or something in there. And maybe there is. Ronnie, the English language doesn't make any sense, and you know that. <laughs> so don't even, don't even try that nonsense. If you can tell by those introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We're currently covering Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunters. But before we get into that, I have a bit for us. What's uh, the bit? What is the bit? What's Very excited the bit? for the real bit this time. What is the closest you've ever come into crossing the line of the law? Mm. Crossing the line of the law. What's the closest you've ever come into what getting in trouble? What is, oh, like getting, the law. In trouble getting in trouble specific. with the law or like what's the worst crime you've ever done? Uh, this has all been an elaborate this entire podcast, all 150 episodes have been a deep cover sting for me to get you to confess your your worst criminal acts. Yeah, I really think the worst thing I've ever done was um, shoplift one dollar items like or items whose labeling was unclear. Uh. <laughs> the, that's really it. Like, the only reason I shoplift stuff is if I know I can't return it and I'm not sure if it will suit my need. So every now and then, like, and th- to be clear, not recently. This has been, like, years since I've done this. But, like, yeah, I just every now, like, good example. There's this, there was this paint that I needed back in college. I needed transparent glass paint, like, for making fake stained glass. And the paint was opaque and it didn't say on the packaging if it would dry clear it just said it was for glass and i'm like well i th- this seems like if you're painting on glass it should dry clear but obviously i can't use it and then return it so i just uh, i just stole a little thing of paint i once bought mozzarella sticks at wawa and i walked outside to eat them and i realized they didn't have dipping sauce so i walked back into the wawa to be like hey like not a big deal, but the mozzarella, the, the the marinara was missing. And I saw that they were for sale separately. Mm-hmm. Like they did not come with the mozzarella sticks. And I was like, who the fuck? What sort of sicko 
buys mozzarella sticks without dipping sauce. And uh, I was real angry about that. And then I looked and the line was huge, like 30 people, like a busload of people. I just like arrived at that point and like gotten straight in line. So I, I stole that marinara sauce. <laughs> that 50 cent marinara sauce. It was sauce. justice. Yeah. I would have paid for it if it had just been in the box. Yeah, if they had just made the the sticks slightly more expensive and just put it in there with them. Make it 35 cents more and put the sauce in the Anyway, uh Ronnie, what about you? Have you ever have you ever have you ever been hunted by bounty hunters? Was was that y'all's was that y'all's crimes that you that No, you no, I have a different crime. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I huh. I didn't you I, set I, a building on fire once, Andy? Yeah, that was going to be my crime. Okay. Yeah, I I, I made I made a, a bomb as like a joke, and it it blew up and lit a building on fire. <laughs> Don't you hate it when you build a bomb <laughs> as a joke and it blows up? <laughs> it was for a Bible study. It's I like, was trying to a, talk about how God's love is explosive. This wasn't a part of the bit at all, bomb. You weren't supposed to do this. And uh, it. I got this redneck Jimmy to help, and uh, he took a bunch of gunpowder out of bullets because uh, you just have guns at Liberty. That doesn't sound like an accident. Uh, that doesn't sound like a joke. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just a, it was a lot bigger than I expected, uh, and the building was set to be demolished, so I didn't think it'd be a big deal. But uh, the fire alarm went off, and the ceiling caught on fire, and it was a whole thing. Uh, I did look up the statute of limitations on like criminal vandalism and uh, arson. And I'm, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Uh, also, this is all a joke. This, none of this. Yeah, happened. none of no This crimes. is just, I'm never, playing a character of, of someone who graduated from Liberty university. I didn't actually go there. And I never didn't. did a crime. Listen, there's bigger I, crimes happening. At Liberty, Liberty University. university. Yeah. <laughs> there's much bigger crimes happening at Liberty university. And also I did not do that. All right. Yes. I, yeah, that was not me so or Jimmy. I wasn't Jimmy either. I, I'm I'm going to say something. And I, 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 I love my my two friends. Andy and Evan very much. And I trust that if what I'm about to say is uh, will make people think so poorly of me that. It would ruin the oh my favorite is Ronnie on the podcast comments. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you will hear nothing here, and I will have cut it out, and I'll think of some other nonsense crime to put here. I don't think I don't think you need to come up with a fake crime, Ronnie. I think you just cut out everything you said, and then you bring it in. <laughs> no, that's gonna bring in so many questions, and, and we just never answer them. Just oh. put a long um, beeping noise over that whole section. <laughs> I didn't kill anybody. Like I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> call, I, I want everyone to know that I caused no one bodily or. Mo- I caused someone bodily harm, <laughs> um, and and did not like target any marginalized group, um, in any in any way. This was not a hate no, crime. No, it was just gross teenage boy stuff. It was just gross teenage boy stuff. Yeah, That's I it. was after I committed said crime. I was up all night, all night, being like, "They're gonna find me." <laughs> Gosh. I, anyway, that was a that was a wild story, Ronnie. We wild should talk story. about this Don't show. Don't say it was a wild story. It's going to generate more questions. <laughs> yeah.
All right. So we covered episode one and two of Teenage Bounty Hunter. Uh, Evan, hit us with the fastest recap ever because this episode is already running super late. Okay, there are these two fastest. teenage girls. They're uh, deeply entrenched in uh, some kind of evangelical religious community. They go to a expensive private school. Their parents are super rich and very religious. Um, they're uh, in cars with their boyfriends in the parking lot of what I think it was either their church or their school. One of them has sex with her boyfriend. The other one gives her boyfriend a hand job. They're talking about what they're twins. These two girls, by the way, um, they're talking about it on the drive home and uh, they hit a guy with their dad's truck, which they are driving. Turns out this dude is a criminal. And the reason that, they got in this collision is because he was speeding away from a bounty hunter named Bowser something. Bowser. Uh, Bowser. They call him Mr. His first name is Bowser. They call him Mr. Bowser later on. Anyway. Um, so this dude is a criminal of some, some category and, uh, he is being chased by a bounty hunter. They, uh, intercept him accidentally. Uh, they, he says something threatening to them. They pull guns on him and the bounty hunter approaches them while they have this guy cornered with their guns, which were in their dad's truck and which they know how to use because they're religious fundamentalists from the South. Uh, they help Bowser, uh, capture this guy. There's like a scuffle. There's like a, a chase. Uh, the dude tries to get away. They successfully capture him uh, initially Bowser assumes that they too are bounty hunters because he can't think of any other explanation for what's happening here. Uh, he quickly figures out they are not bounty hunters, but they need money to fix their dad's truck, which they, uh, ran into a, a criminal's car with. So they go to Bowser at his froyo shop. They say, oh, he gives them some money from the initial, uh, capture of that dude that they helped with. And they realize this is not enough money to fix their dad's truck. So they uh, go to his Froyo place. They're like, hey, we, we need to help do bounty hunting now because we're weirdly good at it because we own all these guns. And um, also, like, we are very rich, young white girls and we can get into all of these exclusive places where, uh, you know, rich white criminals are that you cannot access because racism. Uh, so... They help him go after this dude who goes to their country club because they can get into the country club. There's a few twists and turns there. They ultimately nab the guy because he beat up a prostitute. They bring him in for the bounty. Them and Bowser are partners now. Um, so they are helping him collect bounties using their white girl, evangelical, community, wealthy powers. And... um they pretend to be working at his Froyo shop as a cover. Also, the story goes uh, pretty, pretty deep into like their personal lives as this is happening. Uh, I mentioned earlier that one of them, Sterling, had sex with her boyfriend, even though they're, you know, they've got a lot of that, uh, that evangelical self-inflicted guilt-shame complex thing. Uh, and Sterling 
days later is elected as the fellowship leader for their youth group. And uh, the girl who wanted to be fellowship leader knows that Sterling had sex with her boyfriend and is trying to, like, undermine her as fellowship leader using this secret information that she has. Uh, the girl who's trying to undermine Sterling's position as fellowship leader, April, incidentally, also her dad is the one who they brought in for beating up a prostitute. So. Yeah. That's what, oh, at the end of episode two, uh, April gives up the fellowship leader position so that, or I'm sorry, uh, Sterling gives up the fellowship leader position so April can has it, have it, and, uh, you know, she's cool with that. Sterling is. Well done. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was a, there was a lot packed into these two episodes. There was a lot of establishing going on, but, yeah, it's, that's the vibe. That's what's going on. Yeah, especially episode one, it's just, like, jam-packed. Yeah. yeah. They do go on a bounty hunt in episode two, but it's pretty un- inconsequential. The main, counterfeiter. Yeah, the main focus is uh, their, like, personal relationship with this girl, April, who is, uh, like, their social rival whose dad they brought in for beating up a prostitute. I, I don't think... I, I should, uh, like reflect for a minute here i think sex worker is the more appropriate term they use the word prostitute in the show a lot um anyway they're they're sympathetic to whoever this woman was she does not appear but yeah the april's dad beat up a sex worker very good yeah uh we watched three episodes or no we didn't we watched only two Two. Only watched two episodes. I should I should mention that this show was uh, a fan suggestion um, by the Flame Podcast, um, which, uh, if you don't know, is a it's a musical that was done totally remotely and is being released, or it, it just I think it just finished up uh, was being released an episode at a time, um, but it's like a full length musical. About Ooh, wow. uh, lesbians trying to save their bar. That's uh, so rad. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So you can follow them on Twitter at the Flame Musical, um, and uh, check them out on your podcatcher of choice. It's only eight episodes long, and uh, it's it's if you, if you like campy, uh, corny musicals, and also uh, lesbians and sapphics, this will be the one for you. It's it's a it's a pretty fun time. If you don't if you do not like uh, campy, corny musicals, I don't think this is your entry point because it is very campy and corny. Um, But it's my it's it is my cup of tea. So go check that out. And thank you for this suggestion. Um, We watched two episodes of Teenage Bounty Hunters. And, you know, I got to ask it. Uh, Hey, Andy. That's me. We watched two episodes. Do they work for you? I I really love the characters. There were a couple things in the first episode that I was like not sure about what the show was trying to say that I feel got cleaned up by episode two. So I will say the whole thing did work for me. Very good, very good. Hey, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. We watched two episodes of uh, Netflix's 2020s 
uh, Teenage Bounty Hunters. Uh, did it work for you? Uh, unambiguously, yes. I was really enjoying watching this show. So, yeah, a, a rare, rare definitely from uh, from Evan. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. yeah. Hey, yeah. Did these episodes of Teenage Mutant Bounty Turtles <laughs> work for you? That's, that's, that was a good one. That's I'll, the best one we've done. Show, yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. It, it is. Um. It is incredibly charming. I will say that, and fun. Um. Very mm-hmm. fun, despite um what some of the subject matter uh leads to, uh or or would kind of like have you believe. Um. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very fun. Let's talk about what worked. What worked about these two episodes. I, if it's cool, I want to hit the few things that I was really hesitant on that I then got the feel that what the show was saying, if that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck the format. Uh, so I really wasn't sure how much of like evangelical Southern culture this yeah. show was like embracing or dissing. Like there's a lot of jokes about like guns or about being republicans or about going to chick-fil-a and stuff like that and i just wasn't sure totally where the show was landing on stuff and probably the most uncomfortable one was uh sterling when trying to have sex with her boyfriend uh her boyfriend is clearly like on the fence about it like scott pilgrim and instead of like calling it off she uses scripture to convince him that like it's fine and he shouldn't feel guilty about it. And it feels really like gross and manipulative. And I genuinely wasn't sure about like Sterling's faith and her motivation and stuff. And until the second episode at the end of the second episode, I was like, Oh, she genuinely is serious about her faith. And she genuinely loves her boyfriend. And she was just as torn trying to reconcile this desire to have sex and be faithful as he was. And it wasn't so much as her being kind of gross and manipulative. It was her also like trying to reconcile those desires to like, be faithful and also she's in love with her boyfriend and wants to have sex. And she has that desire as well. Uh, and so I was really like feeling kind of icky from the start of this show with that scene. Cause that is like the opening scene. Yeah. And by the end of episode two, I was like, no, I understand this character way clearer now with like, you know, as she's walking, like leaving the room and like crying with the leaving the Bible study, I was like, oh, she genuinely really cares about her faith and she genuinely really cares about her boyfriend. And she was torn between the two. And it wasn't. Wasn't so much as her being manipulative as so much as her like wrestling with that herself. Yeah, I, I know. I know what you're saying, because it is like the show is much more frequently lampooning evangelicals than uh like 
empathizing with that. Well, her her so, sister also clearly doesn't care yeah. about her like the 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 church and the faith. Yeah. And but the sister is also super supportive of her. Blair is the other Blair, one. yeah. And so it's it's tricky. I like I just wasn't sure where Sterling was at for sure. Like it's clear she wants this Bible study position, but it it to me it wasn't super clear if she just wanted that because she cared about the position or if it was like a genuine faith thing for her. And by the end of episode two, I was like, okay, in that light, that opening scene doesn't feel as icky anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was kind of on the fence there. Uh, And that is the problem with all like lampooning and satirizing too, is sometimes it is uh, hard to know exactly what, like where the lines are. But uh, yeah, I do think it's a fucking good show. Uh, those were just some of the things I was hesitant on from the outset, but really, really charming show. I have a silly thing that I really enjoyed, uh, totally inconsequential to the overall plot. Uh, I love that neither of the girls knew how much you were supposed to get paid at a regular job because (laughs) they are, they live such a like incredibly privileged life that, uh, their dad, when they're pretending to work at the frozen yogurt shop to cover up the fact that they are bounty hunting, uh, their dad's like, oh, so what What do you make an hour? And they're like, a hundred and fifty. And he's like, $150 an hour? And they were like, 150 dimes, uh, which is $15. Like, they're like, panicking trying to think up a realistic wage for an hourly worker at a froyo place so i just thought that very like silly little thing but i thought it was very funny it it is it like things like that do pop up and it they are gen generally like very self-aware of their privilege and of mm-hmm. their like their stature in the community they like they make jokes about it a lot which yeah. like I think there's a limit on how much they can like get away with that on the show of just like haha yeah we're, we're like lampshading it, um, mm-hmm. but moments like that are very much like you know, di- like the, these these are children these are yeah. children who are not very bright like in in uh, street smart sense I I do like how they're not like portrayed as vapid though this is a thing that has yeah. stuck out to me throughout the show. Both of these girls are, in fact, very competent, even though they're dealing with these issues and problems that are uh, like kind of small potatoes in the adult world. You know, like they're both uh, like intelligent enough to figure shit out. They don't have, like you said, the street smarts to uh, like weasel their way through situations they're unfamiliar with, but uh, they do. They do make sensible decisions and they do uh, like they are genuinely good at like tracking people down and like <laughs> they can use guns. So they're uh, solving a mystery every episode, yeah. which is really fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, they both have different skill sets. Like Blair is a beast at lacrosse and uh, is super athletic and like can kick door down doors down and tackle people and whatnot. And then uh sterling is shown to be like really tactical 
and like uh good at solving kind of the like social mystery riddle of like where the where the the perp is hiding it's mentioned um, that she's involved in forensics in school so yeah she has that background uh and it they're just a really good duo the actors have phenomenal chemistry and they mm-hmm. do this kind of um uh what you call saved by the bell like freeze frame thing where it's yeah. like shown as twins giving each other a look and communicating non-verbally like really quickly and i i love whenever that happens it's a really yeah. really fun mechanic it it's is not a mechanic this isn't a tabletop game <laughs> uh it's I was trying to think of that word, too. It's not really a trope, because I don't know that I've really, like, seen something like this. It's, it's a fun bit. It's a it's fun a bit, bit yeah. they do. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah. if, if I could expound upon it, it's like this twin telepathy that, like, they have a full conversation in a moment. Um, and my favorite part about that is that they are still teenagers, is that they only do this, like, when it's a high-pressure situation and they need to figure something out really quick between the two of them. Um, but no matter what, there's a part of the conversation that is always kind of like inconsequential or kind of like, I don't want to say silly, but like not pertinent to what is happening right now. Like, Hey, um, I just noticed you're wearing my bra. Like yeah, you took exactly. that. And, and it's like, wait, no, like you're both holding guns and <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like, please, please pay attention. It's, it's like, it shows that like, no, these are still teens with like teen concerns, but also like if we're doing an actual telepathy thing, these are the thoughts that would be the stream of consciousness. Yeah. 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 It's not just like they're talking. They are literally like transferring their thoughts. And sometimes thoughts are just jumbled up. Uh, And it's, it's funny how they keep doing that. I, I genuinely like the aspect of the show. That's just about their like social problems at this extremely like tight butthole, uh, private school they go to uh i was expecting at first that aspect of it to be boring and the bounty hunting to be fun but i find myself truly caring about the social dynamics with this uh this jerk april at their school and uh them uh trying to you know work out how to socially navigate situations with their boyfriends and stuff like that everything feels very genuine like even the kind of like villainous students act in very uh like believable teenage ways and the solutions are like actually practical and things that like make sense with this the situations Mm -hmm. uh which i feel like is kind of rare like usually high school stuff is so overblown and Mm -hmm. uh, feels almost like Game of Thrones-esque with the political intrigue that's happening and like no, like just just quickly make up a rumor and like you'll be fine. Right. Oh my god, that bit where April was introduced where she was take, she had her iPad and she was going through a slideshow of her mission trip where she went to Brazil to knit sweaters for dirty poor children and like she was doing this like almost Vanna White thing where she was like gesturing at the iPad and like talking about how spiritually meaningful this was for her and like follow her on Instagram at it like it was so funny it was very it was very very entertaining it was every uh like 
volunteerism trip. It was it was a little exaggerated and it was clearly meant to be that way. Like the way April was uh, sort of like. Posing and her inflection and stuff was meant to be like lampooning these kids who go on these, uh, you know, mission trips to do something fundamentally not very meaningful and like come away from it, uh, you know, very self-obsessed and very self-righteous about it. Uh, very good, very good bit that they used to introduce April. The evangelical stuff that they get right, they get really right. There's yeah. a couple things that don't quite hit, in my opinion. Uh, some of the hand motions that were being done during the worship service at church. No evangelical would be caught dead doing that shit. <laughs> it was way too, way too hippy dippy. Uh, there are like four accepted hand motions that you can get away with in an evangelical church. But um, she was kind of doing like a willow blowing the breeze bit and that just would not fly. And you'd <laughs> be told to sit down. Um, but overall, the, the, the jokes that hit, you can tell that someone did their research. Um, I, I, I thought this was going to be the case, but it wasn't. I thought we had a case here of they actually hired teens to do teen stuff. Um, both of the actresses who play the 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 twins are ha- are, are in their early twenties, presumably filming this. They're twenty six now, mm-hmm. um, but um, they still everyone feels still very immature, very awkward and clumsy in a way that like. I think that is what makes the difference a lot of the time. Um, While this is a show that like for some of the characters is like revolved around sex. It is a very awkward, clumsy sex that doesn't feel sexualized. Like Mm -hmm. I don't. And maybe 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 I'm wrong about this, but I don't feel like the show is like sexualizing these characters. Um, oh yeah, none none of the sex scenes are pleasant to watch no. for sure. It's it's very like it, exactly that, just awkward, clumsy, unpleasant. Um, and I think that goes a long way. Like these are not like you know the this isn't uh Archie teen teen hunk Archie Riverdale. taking his shirt yeah. off. Yeah, Riverdale. Uh, and all these sexy, sexy teens doing sexy, sexy things. These these feel like teens because they are just a little bit goofy and awkward, and uh, they're stumbling it, around. Right. It, it's not it's not played for like a, a lusty kind of thing as much as it's like trying to be as genuine as possible. The the dude just even the like the the main dude like the the you know Andy you you've you've interacted with I'm sure hundreds of these guys of uh like kind of jockey very not very bright uh christian faithful kind of person who just had like with the hair growing down past their ears kind of thing doesn't really have a good haircut like the 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 little things that they got right about like what teens do and what like nerdy teens do even if they don't look nerdy like it's it's all just kind of spot on i this is like a tiny detail, but I liked that Blair, who is described as like the slutty sister, has never actually had yes. sex, which felt like very believable for like a evangelical teen church group that like, of course, the the one who's known for being a slut 
has never actually slept with anyone. And uh, Sterling, who is the like Bible study leader, she just had sex with her boyfriend and is trying to convince herself and him that it's God's will because they're going to get married in the future. And like that is such an evangelical fucking Christian thing to like try and justify and like. Oh, boy. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, I also just like how there's not like a huge origin story here. Like mm-hmm. they, the show is called Teenage Bounty Hunters. They are literally like acting as bounty hunters within the first 10 minutes of the show. Yeah. Um, and, and like begin that journey immediately. It's not like some like, you know, three episodes in, we're still like, are they bounty hunters yet? Like they, they hit the ground running. They get a mystery right away kind of thing. It's not like we have this pilot that's just kind of empty with the, uh, the theme of the show. Um, it, it just like hits the ground running and it kind of respects you enough to just kind of like understand what's going on. It is titled like fast and furious. Like when you hear the words fast and furious or like, I want to see some cars go fast and I want to mm-hmm. see some people be angry. And this is teenage bounty hunters and you're going to get a lot of teen drama and you're going to get some sweet bounty hunter action mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, it delivers. It's very, very fun. Uh, I like Bowser. Bowser's very funny. Bowser gets very good one liners. Yeah, I agree. It's I, a really funny show overall. Like it's yeah. fun to watch and it's it's very humorous. And also I care about everybody. I care about all the characters. So well done show. I'm shipping Bowser and his ex. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're meant like, to. And sure. like the, the teens definitely are as well. But like there's there's like a history and a chemistry there. And it's it's only being like slowly hinted at within the first two episodes. But uh, I can't wait to like find out more about what happened there. Uh, I like the only other Froger employee. Yeah, she's very fun. She uh, has done very little, but her being like, you got to clean the pumps. Mm -hmm. And then it shows the pumps. And I was having like Starbucks flashbacks to the mocha pump. Oh, Uh, the um, I don't know what her name is, but the the uh, ex Bowser's ex is actor Shirley Rumerick, who uh, you might remember as the mom from Rise, the uh, hey musical Ooh. theater high school show, uh, she's so great. Returning, returning, ending, pending alum there. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it is I. Um, it's funny. It's just a very funny show with like and like the jokes. It like I and this is this is where I come back to. When you are talking about people that are being hunted for crimes they committed or people that like committed crimes against sex workers or evangelicalism and like all of the trappings of that, you could expect what kind of humor would come from a show like that. And it subverts those expectations. It is like not humor that is like derogatory towards like, uh, you know, people who are queer because the, you know, Christians hate the gays or or towards the sex workers or towards the you know the 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 criminals like it's it's oddly respectful in a way um, it's not punching down at yes, all yeah. not at all not at all it, it, the the jokes are not at the expense of of exactly who you don't want the jokes to be expense at 
Um, and even and, I mean, it's it the comedy is such that it's not even like a like, ha look how stupid this person is or look how like uh, awful this person is. Ha ha ha. It's just the jokes are just jokes. There's there's a bit where um, they're uh, going nuts over this uh, this like TV, this like YouTube bounty hunter that you could tell does all these like fake bounty hunting and bowser who is a very real bounty hunter is like upset about that and his uh, ex-girlfriend's like well you're just mad because he's got like fifteen thousand youtube followers and you can't even get your mom to like one of your instagram photos and bowser just goes my mother hates sunsets and it's just like <laughs> that's not a joke on it's just a very funny line that he, was very delivered. he delivered very good and it's just it's it's that kind of humor uh, it, there's just not a whole lot of, uh, there's the, the whole premise of like the, the backstory of the second episode is like the pastor challenges all the married people to have sex every night for a week. And you can see, um, Sterling and, and Blair's parents getting like progressively, like more worn down as the week goes on. Um, uh, I was good. having so many Liberty flashbacks during that sermon because that is a thing. Evangelicals love to do evangelical pastors love to tell you about the hot horny uh, godly sex they have with their wives and they love to tell you about it in detail and like they love to do it from the pulpit and they will also do it away from the pulpit they will just come up and tell you hey i had sex with my wife the other night and it was godly and sweaty and so good, but you can't do that yet because you're not married. Wink, wink. <laughs> you're gonna find the the woman God wants you to marry and mm-hmm. you know keep you from temptation. Oh God! Uh, Thank God Catholics don't do that. And what the fuck is that? I don't have yeah. to lust well, after other women, and I don't have to watch <laughs> porn because I get to have sweet, hot, godly sex with my wife for four Can and I- a half minutes with the lights off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Catholics are not great either because they just pretend that sex doesn't exist. No, I'm not saying Catholics are better, but thank <laughs> God I don't have to hear the yeah. priests talk about having sex. Priests aren't allowed to get married. Exactly. There's, exactly. There's no- it's, it's probably for that reason specifically so that they don't get up mm-hmm. on the altar and be like, have you guys heard about the sex stuff? You got to <laughs> try it. Probably the wildest thing I ever heard. This is a this is a tangent. Uh was in a men's Bible study. It was an all men's Bible study and the dude leading it. I'm not going to say his name, uh, but God, this is buck wild. He was like, guys, I'm feeling really convicted that the Lord wants me to tell you this, that it is not okay to just come and then end. Like, you need to do what you can to try and make sure that your wife comes to. And I was just, like, looking around the room like, what the fuck? Why are we talking about this? But he was, like, really feeling convicted because, uh, and he, like, went on and on about how women's bodies are mysterious and hard. And, like, it's really difficult. And, like, you might have to really try. And it's not going to be fun for you. It's going to suck and be miserable. But it's, like, your Christian duty to just wow. make sure your wife also gets to enjoy sex. Wow. And like people disagreed with him. But then <laughs> like and not about the like 
your wife is difficult and it's not going to be fun for you part. But people were like, I do not have to make sure my wife also enjoys sex. Like it is for me to enjoy and for her to make children. And I was just like, what the fuck? What is going on? Anyway, that was uh, a a spiritual life director meeting at Liberty. uh, And uh, or that might have been at a different that might have been at church. Anyway, yeah, it was bonkers. Uh, why are there any women who are Christians? Why? Good question. Why? It's gay. Uh, Ladies, it's, you can do better literally pro- anywhere else. It's proximity to power. I, I think it tends to be. You nailed it, Ronnie. I mean, it, I think that's a, that's a white women thing in general. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta abide the, the bullshit to be close to what you think is going to protect you and or provide for you. And uh, you think that or also give you a modicum of power to then exert over. People. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. you can lead the women's group now. <laughs> or teach the children. You're not allowed to be a pastor, though. Right. Yep. Uh, anyway, this show does. Uh, pretty, pretty freaking, I think, solid takedowns, too, like. Yeah, the stuff with the pastor, uh, the bumping into him when he's buying cigarettes, like driving home, that he's a hypocrite, um, and like he has his vice, and he's gonna act like it's no big deal. Uh, the like Confederate flag in like the country club, and how, I mean, how all of these awful <laughs> people talk about, you know, the the people around them and the minorities around them and stuff is. Uh, pretty telling. Um, yeah. Uh, there, about like there, who the goodies are and who the baddies are. I I will say like I don't I I, I don't want to transition to to what didn't work if if we're not ready to go there. Um, but there is like some of that is like riding the line of lampshading a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope they they write the ship. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just. I'll launch on in uh, specifically the one thing that's just kind of one way that they are getting information in the first episode is that there is a uh, employee at the country club that Blair that that has a crush on Blair and Blair uses that crush to get that person to do things and has no interest in like returning their affection. And that person happens to be black. And it's like very specific, like the like that is called up because there's no white, there's no black people allowed at the country club. And the only mm-hmm. people that are there that are black are the employees. Um, and she's kind of like, you know, leading him on and, and using him for information in this way, in a way that's just like, I hope, I hope we address this uh, or we stop doing this um, because this feels yucky yeah that would have been a funny scene in a different context yeah um but because like it was a good bit when they drove up to the country club and it was immediately visually apparent because like the staff have these like i think they're like a like a seafoam green they look like like hospital colored uh uh uniform so they're very obvious they stick out very distinctly the staff stick out very distinctly from like the patrons of the country club and it's immediately obvious just in this wide shot of the country club that all of the people 
like attending the country club are white and 100 percent of the staff are black and it's like like you're meant to have that reaction and also like the the girls bring this up they're like yeah uh you're not gonna be able to get in here because they're really fucking racist so like that in itself is a good bit and blair's awkward attempt at seducing someone for information is by itself a good bit but these two things together yeah. uh do not work uh bad bad application of that specific uh i will awkwardly she's like it it's funny it's meant to be funny cuz she's like but she like bites her finger and then it like clearly tastes bad cuz she makes a face and like pulls it out of her mouth and like tries to do a different sexy pose um yeah just a little on on this note too the only gay character so far is a black student and he is uh like part of the villain girls clique and uh that's not great like that's that's not that's not great i rather have you know i guess bad representation is better than none but like if you're gonna put a queer character in this like takedown of southern evangelicalism i rather them not be like one of the baddies which may be coming i think that like the, this, this is getting gradually more takedown sure. i was i was like borderline uncomfortable in episode one because like they joke like "Ooh, can we get chick-fil-a and i was like this was yeah. before we knew that they were like fundamentalists I guess not really, but like this yeah, is like that's not that's not before we knew that was just reinforcing. That it was just reinforced. It was yeah. it was it was not really like absolutely apparent to me. And then like they like go right into like this youth group thing. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. And I don't know if like you're at a point where you're like past it and able to look back like a historian, Andy. But like some of the stuff was very triggering for me. Of like being in a youth group space and like an evangelical church and and school and stuff like that. Um, I, I I am glad to see them begin to like take it down, but even still, it's like, ooh, I uh, this is this is a lot. Um, but as I said, they are gradually beginning to do more and more to like chip away at that. Um, which I'm excited yeah. to see like how far they take it. The show did a really good job of establishing that these are two young people who are part of this like cult and are from a privileged position and they're good people. They do have good hearts and good intentions, but they are still Mm -hmm. part of this system that benefits them and, uh, you know, abuses others. And, um, I do hope that we see them kind of come to more realizations that like, oh, well, this is all a problem. And I do think that like the end of episode two was uh, Sterling, like having that. Uh, So I'm I'm super excited to watch more. uh, Not not to like spoil anything moving forward, but I did like read the description of episode three and it specifically talks about Sterling trying to find friends outside of her youth group. Which, like, if you've ever been heavily involved in a youth group, you you don't you don't have friends outside of your youth group, really. Um, And so, like, I love the idea that the show is going to take down, like, finding finding a foundation outside of fundamentalism once you, like, are forced out of that for any particular reason. Um, Um, 
my other negative and like it's not it, it's it's kind of two things in one where like when they took down April's dad I was like oh this is going to be like a good version of a Punisher comic like when the Punisher is written sure. well he is going after privileged people who like escape the system and are like bad people when the punishers are in poorly he's going after uh the you know he's he's racist like the the it depends who's writing the punisher um but like they went after a really privileged rich white dude and it was two women and he had a uh you know physically abused a woman and i was like this is gonna be fucking rad and then Episode two, they were going after a person of color who was a counterfeiter and he was like a low level dude. And I was like, oh, like that's that's kind of a bummer. Like. I really liked when they went after that rich white asshole and like this counterfeiter, like who's he hurting? Come on. Uh, So like that was kind of a bit of a bummer, Um, not a huge negative because like. It still doesn't feel like propaganda. Yeah. But uh it it it, it is you know kind of on that line. And then the second bummer is like I don't love that they're using guns. I I know that like a lot of bounty hunters don't use firearms. And so it, it like I guess that's part of the fantasy of it. Like it is just a TV show, and you got to play in that space. Like Nathan- also these these young women are like all of eighty five pounds or so. Like they're very small young women. Well, so it does. I mean, like people like bounty hunters use things like pepper spray and hmm. stuff like that typically. Sure. Uh, which like I don't know if that would necessarily be better, especially after like seeing what non lethal rounds do to protesters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in very visceral and real ways in the last two years. But, um, you know, I guess it's like when you play Uncharted, like if Nathan Drake was a real person, he's like a mass murderer because the mechanics of that game mean you have to like mow people down uh, with machine guns. And like that doesn't affect how you view Nathan Drake because you realize that's just the mechanic of the video game and that's not really happening. Like, to the real Nathan Drake if in the narrative, you know, like that's just the video game mechanic in the story. Yeah. So like, I guess you kind of have to accept that these two bounty hunting teenagers are not actually like wielding guns and like going to shoot people. It's just part of the like kind of fun Batman narrative about these two kids. Well, I think the part that, that might be I'm like, wrestling with it. Yeah, I, I think what what it comes to is like this is like a satire and every part of this like southern evangelical culture is kind of being picked apart. The Christianity is being picked apart, like the hypocrisy of it all is being picked apart. They even like have a moment where she's reading like a how, how to find out if you're in love quiz. And she like specifically says, well, here on this article on the failing New York Times. 
But oh, it's like, oh, Andy I, commented I, on that. Yeah, I literally was like, Evan, did you hear that? And he was like, no, what? And I was yeah, like, I blinked and I'm well, it was audio, but you know, yeah. I, I blinked. And I missed yeah. it like that threw me. That was it was just like the idea of like, yeah, well, the New York Times failing, but I'm I mean, I'm still going to like, you know, go to it for my information. It's the paper of record it was just like a takedown of like even like their Republican nature. Um, but the guns is something that is like. Uh, like they say in the first episode, like they know a lot about guns and they know how to use them and like their gifts from their father and stuff like that. And they're also something that they are relying on as part of their like of their new journey. And like that it's it's if you're going to like take everything down, like let's let's like point out the ridiculousness of an overarmed culture, the same as everything else. But instead, we're like glamorizing that in a satirical sense but then also like well no but they also very much need these things it's it's a very big part it, of their new job well like it's tricky because like that first episode when she pistol whips april's dad and calls him a bitch i was like fuck yeah this is rad and then when blair or not blair when sterling blocks off the exit from this asian counterfeiter and she pulls out the glock i was like Oh no. Like yeah. This feels way ickier now. Right. And maybe it's supposed to like maybe that is the point is like these white evangelical teenage girls like wielding these guns around like they're toys and they're not toys, they are guns. They will kill someone. Uh should make you feel icky and gross. I don't know. I don't know if that's what the show is saying or if I it's just like guns are cool and they're bounty hunters. So they get yeah. to use gun. I, I don't, don't, I don't know. know if it's saying that because it, it's it definitely like these two characters are heroes like they are. They yeah, are, they are like the, the golden boys of all the shows we've watched thus far. Like they they can do no wrong. Like even in the face of adversity, they are doing the right thing. Um and so I, I'm hoping that there is an episode where, like, the absurdity of this, like, militarized gun culture is is like kind of uh, pointed out and, and addressed. Uh, but this far, I agree. It is just a little a little icky. Um, cannot stress enough how good this show still is. It's a good but show that that is uh, that is something that I'm grappling with as I watch it. And mm-hmm. they whip these guns out and. Again, it felt way different for me, at least, when they were beating the shit out of April's shitty dad versus uh, this Asian counterfeiter who was just trying to, like, get by. I really. No, I'll sit on that. Um, I don't know if I have really any other negatives. It's a damn good show. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. They're very charming. They have excellent. Everyone has excellent chemistry. The The twins have excellent chemistry with each other. The twins have excellent chemistry with Bowser. Their parents um, are great. Their parents are great. They're they're like kind of they're like, you know, antihero, not antihero at all, like little villainous. But like, you know, they're oh, and there is like a a. Uh, a like throwaway thing at the end of episode one where one of the wanted posters in Bowser's office is the twins mom. Oh, is that who that was? I thought I, I, I mean, it's the only other woman we've met. I couldn't uh, figure it out. I couldn't tell these like blonde waspy women apart. Sure. I thought it might yes. have been the no, teacher. That's a problem. 
who the teacher is phenomenal. Teacher's very good. Teacher, teacher's great. Teacher is someone you will definitely run into in Christian circles. Fucking hilarious. The thing about the scooter, like, she hasn't <laughs> had a ton of dialogue yet, but literally every yeah. every scene she's in is so funny. Time for a fig Newton break. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Is that the woman from TikTok? Because it sure looks like it her. looks like the woman, the from, woman TikTok. from TikTok. The the waspy woman from t- she she like uh, I don't she know. makes quite a few jokes that are like yeah. uh, I, waspy I, woman checking out at Marshalls, yeah. and then she's like the most famous one is her like pulling her mask down like hey. Uh, I know that there's a line, but I just have like these two things. I'm I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna be real quick. Oh yeah, no, sorry, I can't breathe under here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I I, I saw a lot one. more of her content earlier in the year, uh, so mm-hmm. I can't picture her face, but uh, could be, could be. Um, so uh, once again, thank you to uh the Flame Musical for recommending this show. Uh, definitely go check out the Flame Musical on your podcatcher of choice and on Twitter. Uh, we'll watch three more episodes for next week. That's uh four, five, and oop, nope, math is hard. That's three, four, and five. Um, follow along. It's a good show. It's on Netflix. Um, you have no excuse not to check this out. Episodes yeah. are a little lengthy, but there's enough. Like we said, the the there's a good balance of fun mystery solving and fun social dynamics that it's worth. Worth the uh, the forty eight minutes or so. This this really does feel like a winner. I think I'm really going to enjoy the rest of this. Yeah. Uh, I'm super yeah. excited to watch more, and uh, you should watch along with us. Absolutely, absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter at Pending Pod. You can uh, find us online if you want to find our podcast network. You can find it online at online. Like everything's online. What the fuck am I saying? Uh, you can find our po- you can find our podcast network's website where they may radio at where they may dot com. And you can also uh, go from there or write from Patreon dot com slash WTM radio. Donate to our Patreon uh, a uh, bit from earlier. You know what? Now that we've done this bit, I'm really wishing we could just add, just have done the, the bit that we. uh decided to put on Patreon instead of my, my, uh, crime story. Um, <laughs> it was underage drinking. Just, just assume it was underage drinking. I'm not answering sure. any questions about yeah. it. Um, sure. uh, Ronnie, that, Ronnie's innocent. Ronnie didn't do anything wrong. I didn't hurt anyone. <laughs> I want everyone to know that. Or Ronnie any just got animals. really into mazes and monsters, and he stabbed a guy because <laughs> he thought it was a dragon. Heard anyone? I didn't do it. Don't believe them, Tom Hanks. Um, what do we say at the end of these podcasts? Mazes and monsters is a far out game. Where they may radio.